radio for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Welcome to another episode, and this is not only just another episode. This is the 100th, if I uh, count it right, the 100th episode of Agile FM. And for this one, I have a very special guest. We're going to do a uh, double topic here today because I have Jim Benson with me. Jim Benson is the uh, co-creator of Personal Kanban and the co-creator of Lean Coffee. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with and We actually had talked about this topic uh, a few times on Agile FM. He's also the author of the book Personal Kanban and there's some two other books uh, with a question mark behind it. Why Limit Rip and Why Plants Fail. Welcome to the 100th episode of Agile FM, Jim. That's awesome. I didn't even know. <laughs> I feel I so honored. <laughs> I, did, I didn't know either, and I hope I did the math right. I think it's 100. Uh, we are somewhere. We have a milestone. But in all fairness, I had uh, previous to Agile FM seven, eight years ago, I had a, a roughly 50, 60 podcasts under a different title. So, um mm -hmm. Who knows? But I want to start with you talking about these two topics, personal Kanban and lean coffee. Uh, why don't we start with personal Kanban? Why don't you just see how things are going? Maybe we mix these two. Uh, let's let's okay. just see how it goes. Um, and uh, there's this word personal in front of Kanban. Uh, a lot of people talk about Kanban. Um, mm -hmm. There's the Kanban method out there. And maybe we want to just clarify a little bit what, what is personal Kanban uh, if, if some of the listeners out there have not come across your work yet. So uh, if you've come across David Anderson's work, you've come across mine. <laughs> uh, so my company, Modus Cooperandi, uh, David and I formed that company together. Mm -hmm. uh, we created the first Kanban uh, a few blocks from my house over scotch at Milady's Pub. Um, my background is in collaborative systems and psychology. Uh, I was a, an urban planner, uh, so I helped build like the built environments of collaborative built environments and then went on to build software of, of collaboration. Mm -hmm. uh, and then now actual like work management systems of collaboration. David's background uh, was always large corporations getting large groups of people to uh, process large amounts of work. So mm -hmm. David's Kanban method uh, is kind of a, is a software specific system that is focused on uh, large organizations. Mm -hmm. uh, although small organizations have certainly benefited from David's work as well. Um, Kanban itself, the word refers to, uh, and the practice refers to uh, a system that Toyota and other companies use to visualize the amount of work in process and to limit it. Yeah. So uh, any engine block that you find floating down the assembly line uh, for Toyota or any double door fridge that you see floating down the line in Louisville, Kentucky at the GE um, uh, appliance plant, mm -hmm. they have a card attached to them that is called a Kanban. And that card says all of the details about what that work is. And there's only a certain number of those plastic cards. So they can't overproduce and they can't do too much work at a time. That is exactly uh, what David and I did. Um, uh, personal and personal Kanban means of value to people. 
-hmm. So it can be used by individuals, groups of individuals, large groups of individuals. It doesn't mean individual Kanban. Mm -hmm. It means of personal value. So is the work as it's traveling through understandable by the person who needs to do it? The reason that they're doing it is understandable. Mm -hmm. Their role in their team and in their company, is that understandable? Has that work been selected for a rational reason or an irrational reason? And when it's complete, done, the reason that Agile has been consistently tripping over its own shoes, trying to find the definition of done, and saying that something is done, or it's done, done, or it's done, 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 or it's done, 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 or after a while, you know, you're, you're straight, you're right up into Beethoven. <laughs> you know, uh, but, um, but what, it, what actually, what we try and do is we say, okay, the work has been complete, but your relationship to it is not. Yeah. So, you know, once you in personal Kanban finish something, you can do a variety of things with it to make sure that you say, is, does this result in immediate improvement? Does mm -hmm. this result in something that we bring in later at a retrospective? Does this, is this large and unwieldy so that we need a Kaizen event? You know, that sort of thing. So that's kind of the whole system. You know, you visualize your work, you limit what you're doing, you make sure that you're learning, and you build triggers for action through the system. Mm -hmm. You just mentioned the, the, the software aspect of the Kanban method, right? So the link mm -hmm. to IT a little bit, and obviously super, super beneficial in that regard. Mm -hmm. Is personal Kanban also connected to IT, or is that something, somebody out there right now is like, hey, I could do this for any type of project. Well, uh, so for the last three years, uh, I've been building skyscrapers and mega projects in New York City with it uh, from everything from the estimation phase through the procurement phase through the engineering phase and then actually through, you know, boots, boots on the ground. Uh, so personal Kanban, because it is open and flexible, is literally used in every vertical on earth. Wonderful. And it's yeah. used in healthcare and education. Uh, we've used it for things like helping uh, drug addicted homeless teens get sober and get their lives back in order. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we used it, we've used it in medical research, um, not just to track the research itself, but for people who are in, in the trials to track what they were supposed to do as their part of the trials. So, you know, took this pill, filled out this form, did this thing. Uh, we've used it for soldiers coming back from multiple tours of duty and then trying to reintegrate back into society to give them uh, structure, but still flexibility. Uh, we've used it in banking. We've, we've every, everything. And it's not just us. So, yeah. it's, so it's, it, <laughs> it's definitely like our kid that like left and then didn't write for years. Yeah. <laughs> and then later, like you see that, you know, it's a best-selling author or a rock star or something. You had no idea. Yeah. Uh, personal Kanban is always doing stuff that we're not expecting it to do. It's interesting, right? Because some, some people might just pick up your book. Uh, you don't know who bought the book, right? It's obviously somebody out there reading a book and tries to implement. And then those stories come back to at you like, Hey, I just want to say thank you. We, did the following things in our work environment. It might be come as a total surprise, but obviously wonderful to hear. 
from everybody out there to say like, hey, I had no idea they were trying this and I'm super, super excited because it worked for them, right? Really it's, an, it's an almost every product that comes out now. Mm. Every CRM has a Kanban in it. Every, you know, all these things do. And yeah. you start to see it in movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it has been a crazy ride since that, those well, well fated scotches that Dave and I had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you just mentioned uh, something that's not individual Kanban, it's personal Kanban. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but um, there's, there's something that stands out in your work and that is really uh, collaboration. Uh, collaboration is an integral part, so it's also why it's important. It's not individual uh, Kanban, it's collaboration is part of the personal Kanban, like a team working together, uh, let's say a small team uh, mm -hmm. working together. Why, why is collaboration so important? And let's say in regards to blockers, right? Because we're all facing these, mm -hmm. these issues in projects, uh, et cetera. And, what, how does this work in personal Kanban and why is it so important to be so highlighted? Wow, you, uh, you just pushed the passion button. So here I go. Here we go. Go for it. If I wasn't worked up before, by the end of this, I'll be, I'll be you know, absolutely jumping up and down. So, so this is what I tell people. Work is done by individuals in teams to provide value. Uh, nobody works alone and no team works alone. And collaboration as a word often is um, misinterpreted as two or more human beings sitting like immediately adjacent to each other, you know, actively working on the same thing. But if I have, if I, if I go back to, you know, plant five for the GE um, uh, appliances in Louisville, yeah. And I'm in plant five and I'm watching the fridges go by and my job is to put the wiring harnesses in the back of the fridge and the next person is to make sure that the harnesses are all attached to the contacts that they're supposed to be attached to. That is a collaborative act. Mm -hmm. uh, so workflow becomes incredibly important. So if you are building a car or you're building uh, a fridge, that sucker has been designed and debugged like nobody's business and you are mm. making a commodity over and over again. When you get into software or you get into almost every team right now, this is, this mm -hmm. is during COVID times. So lots of people suddenly had to go figure out how to work together remotely. They lost a lot mm -hmm. of their triggers for action that way. That, when variation and complexity rise, the structure that you need mm -hmm. to create needs to be flexible, but it needs to, excuse me, it needs to exist. Yeah. And when we visualize work, when we build our Kanban, we're not building, I'm going to do this, then you're going to do that, then this other person's going to do this. You're no. not going to say that, oh, it's, first it's coded, then it's tested, then it's DevOpsed, then, you know, blah, 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 blah. But you're yeah. saying right now, this group of people, coders, testers, et cetera, we're all working on solving the same problem. This board is a visualization of how we've agreed to work together as professionals. And that is collaboration. 
I can tell you a million bizarre collaboration stories, but at its heart, if everyone works like a little mini silo, like we do our sprint planning and then we give one person work and another person work and mm -hmm. another person work and another person work and they don't talk to each other until we get together at the end of the week. That's not a team. Yeah. <laughs> so I want individuals in teams to provide value. I want teams to understand how they relate to each other. So what that collaboration is like. Mm -hmm. So if I ever go any place and they say, well, we're the front end team. And then somebody else says, well, we're the, yeah, we're the, the database cool. <laughs> team and we're yeah. the blah, 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 blah. Then you're like, okay, can I see all of your technical debt? Cause I know there's a ton yeah. <laughs> because you got parts of a system that interact with each other that aren't talking. Yeah. <laughs> so that even includes the customer, right? Technically. Oh, totally. Yeah. So uh, it's not only the team itself, it's also who we're building this thing for. Right. So, so when, so I'll tell you like the, the biggest, um, the biggest flag for me is when a company will call regardless of industry, could be healthcare, could be software, could be, you know, uh, selling tires. Mm -hmm. When somebody comes and they say, we are having a prioritization problem. That is an immediate red flag for me that they don't understand their work. They don't yeah. have a shared understanding of how their work flows and they don't understand how they collaborate. Because once you understand those things, your work self selects. Hmm. And David talks about that a lot in the convoy method. But, but if you feel like you are being forced to prioritize or you can't prioritize, that actually means that your system is broken. It doesn't mean that your hmm. work is actually hard to stack rank. Yeah. Wow, well, that's a very good points, right? And uh, interesting. So you you just got uh, we got a good topic in, right? You like that one, right? <laughs> Let's push another one, right? I want to see how you feel about the next one. Um, multitasking. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, multitasking. So, so I'll just I'll just go back to. Um, I'll, I'll bring up two, two, uh, two stories really quick. So let's just go back to plant five in, mm -hmm. in Louisville. Next to plant five is plant four. <laughs> <That's the price. laughs> and next to that is plant three. In yeah. plant three, uh, they make um, uh, clothes dryers. Mm -hmm. In plant four, I think they make dishwashers. I can't, I can't remember exactly which. Each plant has its own culture. So plant five is super collaborative, or at least it was when I was there and plant four was less so and plant three was even less than that. And let's just say for a moment that that, that was a software company mm -hmm. and the software, the software company would view the house and they would say, okay, well, we have the clothes dryer feature <laughs> and we have this feature and we have that feature. And what would happen is, the devs would literally run from building to building, sticking stuff into various things as quickly mm. as they can. Most of their energy would be spent running mm. and their attention to detail would be, oh, I don't know, as bad as the attention to detail is in software development. Mm. <laughs> so what happens is 
this doesn't happen in an assembly line because you just can't put other stuff there. Mm -hmm. In software, conceptually, we can work on anything at any time because the workspace is our head and that's limited only by our imagination to right. our benefit and to our detriment. So a few things are true. Um, when William and Rowden and I started Greyhill Solutions in the, in the late 90s, uh, like right, right at 2000, um, we didn't have, we weren't funded. We were all bootstrapped. All of our work was work for hire for government. Government wasn't going to pay us Silicon Valley rates. So um, the first thing was, we were like, well, you can't hire A-list coders for that. And what we realized pretty quickly after visualizing our work was that A-list coders are actually more harm than good. <laughs> and mm. that if you can get good focused people <laughs> to get the information they need when they need it, you can produce really great software. So we were able to create enterprise scale software doing 10 minute releases oh, well. with 12 people mm -hmm. in 2004 with almost zero escape defects and no testers well, because yeah. we focused and finished and we didn't multitask. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a variety of interactions with the customer that allowed us that luxury. Yeah. So we did some crazy things back then. Uh, we invited the customer to every one of our stand-up meetings. And by invited, I mean contractually obligated. <laughs> <laughs> um, we set up, uh, at that point, there was no online Kanban tool. So I don't know if anybody's listening who, who remembers Ray Ozzy's Groove system, mm -hmm. uh, but we were using Groove 2.0, which was, it was such a beautiful distributed collaboration system. I, I, I miss it horribly. Um, but we created a spreadsheet in there that had columns and the columns were the different parts of the Kanban. Mm -hmm. And every day with the client, we would make our decisions together and we would talk about what our stumbling blocks were. That ended up cutting so much, I'll use a lean term here, but so much waste out of our system because we didn't have to explain anything two, three, four, five, ten 10 times. Yeah. And we didn't have to like go through an entire process and then do quality control at the end when you show it to the client and the client says, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In this case, the client was literally seeing every 10 minutes what we were creating. Hmm. Um, so, so multitasking, as, as this might be, be becoming clear, uh, we keep, when we talk about multitasking, we focus on the individual, you know, you shouldn't multitask. Right. Mm -hmm. The only reason they're multitasking is because you've put them in a system where they're required to, hmm. right? So it's like putting someone on, on the highway between New York and Boston and then pulling them over for going five miles an hour above the speed limit. Hmm. You will die on that freeway if you only go five miles an hour above the speed limit. Because <laughs> other people will repeatedly rear-end you. So right. the system is, is engendering that behavior. 
as individuals, we need to recognize when we are multitasking so that we can self-regulate. But initially, what we need to do is stop putting people in situations where they're bound to fail. What's interesting is, uh, that's a very interesting point you're, you're making here, right, is um, it's not only the, the, the multitasking on the, on the personal side, right, it's like me doing like several things at the same time or seemingly at the same time. Um, mm -hmm. It's also comes back to the collaboration thing we just talked about is um, if we are working on something together, actually virtually or shoulder to shoulder, uh, the likeliness of doing that is, is very low. Yes. Right. Because there's, there's this form of, hey, we're collaborating. Let's not do this. Where we would be self-policing our own rules a little bit better than uh, if we would be just sitting in a home office for three, four days or in our own office and not having any kind of interaction. We're just going to, I'm going to work on my thing, but I might actually do a lot of multitasking. So I'm producing based on what he sees, but I wouldn't do that if I have really meaningful uh, collaboration elements in it. So that's pretty interesting. I, uh, I have a statement. It's not really a statement. It's not word by word, but I heard you say something along the line that when people like their tasks they're doing, uh, if they don't like their tasks they're doing, most likely there are defects. Mm. So, so um, I, the story around that is mm. um, I, we were working with uh, a, a large bank in Scotland and uh, multinational, and they were having quality control problems. Uh, they were having defects. Uh, mm which we like to make sound pretty by calling them technical debt. Uh, mm -hmm. But no, it, it's crap. <laughs> you have yeah. created some crap. Uh, and in financial services, every error in code is a potential death sentence, not only for the organization, but for thousands of investors that have their money in, in the institution. So um, they had set up kind of a typical bloat, bloated system to deal with their technical debt. They had a bug tracking system with formats to write the bugs and then like eight different levels of severity. And, uh, you know, all of these different rules about what was a, an important bug and what wasn't and blah, 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 blah. And they, they were very proud of their system. And they said, how, you know, what do you think of this? And I said, I think you've just set up a lot of overhead to deal with your overhead. How about you don't create the bugs to begin with? So um, when I, so during this time of staying at home, I have signed up and virtually once a day, I take piano lessons from Herbie Hancock. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm playing the piano and I'm learning stuff and it's fun, but I'm doing a couple things. I'm practicing and I'm alternatively swearing and smiling. <laughs> okay. Defects make me swear. No defects make me smile. <laughs> so I told, we said the same thing to them personal and professional satisfaction are your QA group. Mm. You know when you type crappy code with your fingers 
your head knows it. And if you're Scottish, you leave and you go have some whiskey. Yeah. And then you come back to work the next day and you complain about the code and you do it again because deadlines and other pressures are making you finish something before it's actually done. So when I, when we say, if you like something, it likely doesn't have defects. And if you don't, it does. That's not just from, you know, Hey, I really like doing this and I really hate doing that. It's, yeah. My emotions are tied to my professional satisfaction in my work. Yeah. And I know as a human being that when I leave unhappy, I'm unhappy with something. And it's not mm. just that I had to code something I didn't like. So what we did with them was we said, when you're finished with something, write, you know, smiley face, flat face, sad face, you know, angry face. And if it's sad or angry, you're saying unequivocally that yeah. you are not professionally satisfied with your work. And the more angry that is, the more necessary it is to stop everyone yeah. and to come and discuss what, what is going on. Yeah, this is, that's very interesting. And, and thanks for elaborating on this one because I, I observed this for many, many years in my career, right? I see departments i see like actually very interesting what he said earlier was like there was no tester on the team right uh we often see like the the ball being moved from one player to another and now it's testing right and uh, and then i mean who, there are some uh, tasks that are you know related to these kind of activities where some people might say i don't like the task i'm not good at it i don't like the task it's not where i want to be personally um etc and then situations like what you just described actually kicked in right so defect rate might go up um so what I have noticed is that in those systems, then a second gate is being invented, right? Somebody who's checking the stuff, right? So because we want to have a high quality product come out, mm -hmm. but even that person is not going to like their job because I'm checking somebody else's work and I have not get my fingers dirty. Hey, let's invent another layer. We have a third layer that checks this checker's work who checked the work from somebody who created and the more layers you do. But the, the funny thing is we're still producing really high bad defect kind of uh, work sometimes, mm -hmm. even though we have all these gates in place. Isn't that shocking? Mm -hmm. uh, that's absolutely shocking in my opinion. Yeah? And it's really, it, it, how do we like your work, right? Do I turn around and say like, you know what, I, I do need a little bit more time on this and uh, uh, that need that shouldn't go out. And I actually, I need to find a way to pair with somebody and maybe I get some new thoughts and like the work. Yeah? Mm -hmm. so, so here's the interesting bit about that. Um, I, Yes, people have different levels of expertise, skill, experience, but by and large, most people go to work to do a good job and yeah. are interested in becoming better. Mm -hmm. And we hand them work that's work by themselves and they have no gauge for what better could be. Mm -hmm. And then we get into horrific anti-patterns like developers saying, well, I'm not going to do that because I'm not a tester. Yeah. And it's like, uh, if you go into any restaurant that's worth its salt, <laughs> uh, you are going to find an incredibly clean kitchen that is producing hundreds or thousands of meals a day. Yeah. And they don't have the QC people coming in and cleaning. Mm -hmm. 
the chefs clean as they work. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you don't check in clean code, you are a lazy developer. Yeah. Okay. And if you are part of a system that forces you to be a lazy developer, then you need to become an irate developer. <laughs> and so, so you, because you said the thing that's like, I can't finish this or I need help. The work is not finishable and the work requires collaboration. Mm -hmm. I can't internalize that because the complexity of the task is not me. And so even though lots of people in Agile have listened to Dave Snowden talk, they haven't yet internalized that complexity is what drives your schedule, not Fibonacci scales and other made up goofiness, but do you actually know what to do when you encounter it? Mm -hmm. and, and the answer isn't work harder. <laughs> yeah. The answer is collaborate. Yeah, I agree, yeah. So we have talked a little bit about a few things here, right? The um, collaboration, the multitasking, quality, professionalism, mm -hmm. et cetera. Uh, sometimes people look at Kanban and say, that's pretty, you know, straightforward, makes sense, you know, on, on, on a glimpse, they might purchase your book and read through it. And it seems mm -hmm. easy, but easy to possibly read about it. But it's, um, I'm just going to make that statement. It's not easy to do, right? Uh, right. So there, there might be something people look at this and say, that seems like super, super easy and almost common sense. Let's just do it. And then they run into some, some issues. Like, so based on your experience here, before we transition to the other topic, uh, like what are the things, is there any kind of advice or things you see going wrong when people are trying to adopt this? Right? What, is it, what is a common pattern out there um, for folks? So the, the, the now probably 15 year old Alan Shalloway quote is, <laughs> you still have to think. <laughs> uh, so the reason that we've ended up in a lot of the problems that we've ended up in is that RUP or Scrum or other uh, boxed, canned corporate ways of handling your work, GTD, mm -hmm. they claim to have solved your problems for you. Mm -hmm. So whether it's personal Kanban or the Kanban method, neither David nor I are saying we have solved your problems for you. You have a unique product, mm -hmm. a unique team, unique problems that you're solving, unique customers. There's a lot of unique going on there. And if you adopt someone else's rituals, someone else's cadences, someone else's behaviors, mm -hmm. you might kind of solve the problems that they solved once, but you're not going to solve your own. So process, people don't like process because they think that is, you know, it's a flow chart. You do this, then I do this, then you do this, then I do this. Process is the social contract that we enter in as a team to make sure that everyone's butts covered, <laughs> that work gets completed in a quality way, that we all go home feeling good about ourselves, that the client gets what they want, that junior staff is trained in a logical way, that no one is being, you know, the, the, the tester 
where you've got 15 devs and one tester and you're like, why don't you test faster? <laughs> I can't possibly figure out why we have a bottleneck. Um, so process is how we as professionals that care about each other and care about the product agree to work together. Mm. The Kanban, the personal Kanban, the whatever you want to call it, the, the sticky notes on the wall or the tickets on the screen, their flow is indications about when we help each other, where we learn, what's going right, what's not going right, how we care is visualized in that work. Mm -hmm. And in this case, that caring for each other is directly proportional, directly related to the quality of our work, the way we're able to complete, the promises we're able to keep, and the defensiveness of our statements. Mm -hmm. So if other people say, I think you can do this faster, or I think you can blah, 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 or I think you can blah, blah, blah. If you have the information that shows exactly what you can blah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and you, you've shown time and again that you know your stuff and mm -hmm. that you're improving, people can't push you around anymore. Yeah. So it's- That's uh, not easy. Yeah, it's, it's not easy. So, so that that was I could keep going, as you know, but uh, that's the that's the thing for me is that what software developers do is so interesting, and because customers have deadlines, bosses have deadlines, and now with Scrum we put ourselves on this regular rolling two week deadlines. We have so many deadlines that that's all we're focused on. Mm -hmm. And that's not good for quality. So own your process. Own your process. Make it your own. It might feel like more work, but it's going to save you so much, like 80% of right. your time so much, uh, if, yeah. you, if you can get your finger on that. So this is the, when we're talking about, you know, the book, the content of the book, that's your starting point. That's not the... Mm -hmm state right so you want people to continue their own personal journey now i do want to as we said in the beginning we want to touch on another topic here um and mm -hmm. uh, that is lean coffee or we also co-created a, a while back uh, now yep. how this uh, podcast is going so far i must say i'm really really shocked uh that this technique is called lean coffee and not lean whiskey uh how do you so, <laughs> Uh, you know, it's like there seems to be a, a bigger passion on the other side. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Give me a give me a little background. Why lean coffee? How does this all start? I created even I had a visual design or I created a poster for me lean coffee. And the reason for that was uh, because it's officially not a liberating structure. Ah, <laughs> so oddly enough, uh, I was in Costco a few years ago and I'm walking down the walking down an aisle, I got my, you know, my big old Costco cart. And all of a sudden, these two hands reach around my back and grab me. And this voice says, I totally screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> and I turned around and it was Keith McCandless. And he said, lean coffee really should have been a liberating structure. <laughs> so it's, it's funny you should mention that. Um, so I the lean coffee was created 
So um, uh, if as I'm sitting here, Milady's Pub is to my left, four blocks. <laughs> to my right is a coffee shop that's four blocks away. And Jeremy Lightsmith and I got together at one point and he said, hey, you know, there's a lot of people in Seattle who are doing personal Kanban and stuff. We should start kind of a professional organization around that. And I was like, that sounds like work. <laughs> uh, I, I said, can't we just like get together in a coffee shop and, uh, and talk about, you know, lean for knowledge work and, and more expansive ways of thinking. And he said, yeah, we'll just have a meetup. I was like, nah, meetups suck. They're like cocktail parties for geeks. Uh, and uh, so let's, let's not do that. But what we can do is we can provide it some structure. So he said, you know, put down this, uh, this personal Kanban on the table and people will come in, they'll write down anything they want to talk about and then we'll vote and then they'll talk about it. And then that'll be the structure. And then to that, we added, ended up adding some more columns, um, you know, like learning and to do's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, we said, Hey, that sounds kind of cool. We got on some, some lists here in Seattle and we said, Hey, in a week, we're going to get together at this other coffee shop and we're going to do this. And we had uh, like 26 people show up to the first ever lean coffee. <laughs> and we're like, well, that's interesting. And then at the end of it, everybody was like, this was awesome. So now there are literally thousands of them mm -hmm. uh, around the world. Um, uh, since COVID, I've been kind of making the rounds where they've been doing them virtually yeah. using the lean coffee table app. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, what's been most interesting to me is I, when we go into organizations that have internal communication problems, and these could be problems caused by power distance, mm -hmm. uh, by poor definitions of work, by siloing, by you know, all, all sorts of, of, of uh, organizational cultural um, anti-patterns. Mm -hmm. If we do an open lean coffee, so um, uh, I'll just I'll just I'll just pick on because it's a good story. I'll, I'll pick on Comcast in uh, Philadelphia. So we went to Comcast and we said, "Hey, tomorrow morning we're going to do this lean coffee," and we were there for a week. And so this would have been Tuesday morning. And they said, "Well, what time is it going to be?" And I said, "Well, it's going to be at seven thirty. And they're like, "I don't know if you noticed or not, but we're we're software developers. We don't wake up at seven thirty. I mean, we're, we're, we don't come into work at seven thirty. We're not even awake at seven thirty. So it's like, okay, well, that's when it is. We're going to have some food. So the first day, like, literally five people showed up. The second day, we had it was a table for eight. We had eight people show up. Uh, Thursday, we had standing room only, and Friday, people were in the hallway trying to listen in. And and that's how fast word traveled but the most important part of this is there was a there was a guy there who um who's still there who was like super smart had a lot to add and there was a senior vice president there who let's just say had a lot of power distance mm -hmm. and we'd been in meetings with both of them where the other person just wouldn't talk. Yeah. He was inert. We got into the lean coffee. He wrote out some ideas, put them in. This senior vice president 
voted on things randomly or, you know, however he wanted to. But one of them was his topic, was this guy's topic. And then when it was selected, uh, they had a great conversation. Yeah. And that's the thing that blows my mind about Lean Coffee is that it is a weirdly natural format that, that just engenders yeah. humane interaction. Yeah. And honest to God, you know, I wasn't like I was sitting there going, if I turn this knob, you know, humans will interact this way. <laughs> it, it was like, I witnessed it. And I was like, this cannot be happening. And I've yeah. seen that. I've literally seen it on every continent now. Yeah, I've, I've seen I, it in Africa, I've seen it in Australia, I've seen it in Asia, I've seen it in South America. Everywhere that works. Hmm. Yeah, oh it's my like, God. It's, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's eye opening, right? Because the, we obviously we use it at uh, conferences. Um, we use it with an open space. We're using it uh, for retrospectives, right? But mm -hmm. uh, what I also have noticed is why I said the liberating structures before is a lot of people are getting a little hung up on the on the book liberating structures and say like this is exactly what we're going to do hey there's actually also other stuff right so it doesn't have to be not everything that is in the book is the is the one and only there's also other yeah. things out there and that technique really because of the reasons you just described would have deserved the spot uh, as a liberating structure maybe there is a second uh, volume of <laughs> liberating structures at some point who knows <laughs> Um, but uh, liberating structures. here we go. It is a liberating structure. And I, I, I do agree, like uh, what you just said, uh, it makes people talk, especially the voting down of the topics uh, creates a level of urgency, which I really love people getting their word out because they don't know if their topic is still staying alive for another round. Mm -hmm. So um, that is the, the timer uh, definitely is, is doing something good and brings people to talk. One of the yeah. things that I like about the thumb voting is that in a real, in a normal meeting, we'll, we'll just say in a, in a mm -hmm. anti-collaborative meeting, yeah. it's nobody's job to say, I'm done with this. Yeah. And if you do, then you're just crapping on somebody else's idea. <laughs> but in, in this case, this is, a, again, this is a systemic instantiation of a social norm. Yeah that depersonalizes it. It doesn't make you a jerk. It just makes you doing the thing that you're supposed to do at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that, is, that is a beautiful thing. Uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a ridiculously beautiful thing. Yeah, totally. So uh, um, we're gonna make some, some links available on the show page uh, on Agile Firma and Lean Coffee. Uh, but yeah. just to the end, I'm just curious because you're probably getting so much feedback about the technique and people have done it, et cetera, et cetera. Are there any kind of unusual applications of the lean coffee format where you say, oh, that was the first time I heard about that. Just like totally curious. I know I'm putting you on the spot here right now, but maybe uh, something. Well, also on, on Modus Institute, I just finished a course on having better meetings. It's called <laughs> Meetings at Work. Uh, and so I've literally spent the last week thinking about nothing but this question. <laughs> so you asked it just at the right time. Awesome. So um, here are some things. Uh, so the first one that I'll mention is uh, that I, how can I word this exactly? There are multiple people who have told me that they use it for one-on-ones. 
and they use it for one-on-ones to, first of all, to destroy the power distance in that meeting, because usually one-on-ones are supervisor and not supervisor, or supervisor's boss and not supervisor, or supervisor's boss's boss and not supervisor. But there are other people that I've run into who, like the first time ever that they'll talk to another person, they'll say, hey, you know, this might seem a little weird or contrived, but I would like to set up the conversation like this. And then, you know, so that we can both see what each other wants to talk about. And then we can decide together what we really want to talk about. And neither of us end up holding the floor for for too long. Um, The... Um, I've seen, I shouldn't say I've seen, therapists doing group therapy have used it for doing, for doing group therapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, uh, there are, uh, there is a simplistic notion in the world that there are extroverts and introverts. Uh, what there really are on earth are human beings and they're human beings that are very complex and have a lot of different propensities to do different things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the more that we can create systems that trigger appropriate behavior in the room and all people, regardless of any, uh, thing they might be bringing to the meeting with them, that's helpful. So in those therapy sessions or with that power distance, what we're seeing is a a system where it says, hey, you just need to do this thing. And then people do it and then they act accordingly. So with like the dude in uh, Mm -hmm. at Comcast, his ticket got voted for and he just started talking. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what the system's supposed to do. Uh, but otherwise he never would have just walked in and said, Hey, I've got a topic. Um, so the, what I want, what I want to like bring that question back to is whenever you have work to do or whenever you have a meeting or whenever you have information that you need to get from somebody else or something that you need to plan out or any of those things, you have your current state, you have a future state that you would like to achieve by the end of that event. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch of variables in between that are usually longer than the time span of your event. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that goes for like building software to release. And it goes from having a one hour, it goes from having, having a one hour meeting. Mm-hmm. So whether it's a Kanban, or whether it's a personal Kanban or whether it's a lean coffee or whether it's how you're going to interact as a team, look at the things that are currently exist that are impediments to having everybody be professionally satisfied at the end of that event. Mm. And then come up with the fewest tricks you can think of to get them to that, 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 uh, that desired future state without saying, okay, we've got 45 rules and what's, what's about to happen. Yeah. And that can be stuff from game storming. It can be stuff from me. It can be stuff from liberating structures, or you can build it yourself. Yeah. So we have a class on prioritization on Modus Institute on team prioritization. 
And it's a trick. Because mm -hmm. like I said earlier, prioritization is never a problem. <laughs> uh, so what it actually is, is how do you see things in the appropriate context at the appropriate time? Right. And that is the big trick of personal Kanban. It's the big trick of lean coffee. Yeah. Awesome. That if, if, if people could just figure out how to do that, man, the world would be a better place. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. What a great ending to this, uh, to this podcast uh, episode here, Jim. This is, uh, that was pretty interesting. It was a double header. It was personal <laughs> Ken man. It was lean coffee, but I took advantage of your time and thanks for uh, bringing both topics uh, to the listeners, but also provide much, much more details uh, to it. This was the 100, if I did the math right on, on episodes, thanks for spending the time with me. Really, really appreciate it. Yep. Again, on the show I did page. the last of the first 100 and the first of the second. Here we go. It's the beginning of <laughs> the next one. <laughs> Thank you so much. Excellent show. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.